Hi, this is Paul Siegel, and you're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and youtube.com slash wanderingdms slash live. And now, on with the show. Hi everyone, welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul. And I'm Dan, and on this episode of Wandering DMs, we're going to be talking about selecting magic items in your D&D campaign. Should you be giving out more magic? Should you be giving less? Should you have your hand on the wheel at all? Have you ever regretted magic that you've given out? All that and more today on Wandering DMs. Awesome. So this is a this is a spin-off of our last topic, right, Dan? This is uh we were we were talking about um, what the heck were we talking about? We were talking about cursed magic items last cursed week. Cursed magic items, um, right? Right. Yeah, and we found a couple of things, a couple of interesting points about magic in general that you and I kind of disagree with. So I want to dig into that. In addition, uh, and this is going back a, a while, but uh, one of our viewers, Bill Rubine on Facebook, actually asked us to do an episode on selecting magic items. Uh, some time ago, so we thought uh, that was a good idea from Bill, and thank him, thank him for the idea. Great, great. So, out of curiosity, Dan, is this? Do you have a do you have a thesis here, or is this an exploratory conversation? It's something of an exploratory conversation because I thought that I had a very simple uh, thesis, and then I start, you know prepping for the show and I go, oh, geez, no, I, I, um, I, I might be, I might be self-contradictory in my practices. Oh, geez. And, uh, I also thought it was interesting. I think like, so there was a moment last week specifically where we're talking about what if you're randomly, uh, rolling to see if items are cursed and three come up in a row, one, two, three, Matt, cursed items, one after the other, all get sprung on your players. And mm-hmm. I think I said, Great! Now the story's about everything's coming up cursed, and you said that's too much. I'm bored with it now. I'm gonna, I'm yep. gonna uh, fiat uh, start changing that. And I thought that was an interesting uh, distinction. So maybe that's a, maybe there's a wider story there about how hmm. you and I might be choosing magic items in general in our campaigns. Could be. Could be. I want to. I want to start with like one of the things that feeds into this for me is just generally where do the magic items come from, right? So. Yeah. Um, what what are the source books you're using to generate your magic items? Are you inventing custom ones yourself? Where do they come from? Um, you know, obviously you could start with like, great, you've got the little brown books and you've probably got a table there that you're going to roll on. Maybe you're playing first edition AD&D and so now you're in the DMG and you're rolling on those tables. Uh, maybe like me, you bought and fell in love with uh, Marvelous Magic, the one and only uh, weird crossover, both basic and AD&D book. Um, yeah by uh, Menser and Gygax here, um, which, by the way, I mean, if you dig into this book, the very first thing in here are tables, right? Here are tables, yep, so you yep, can yep, randomly yep. roll on all the magic items in here. Um, and then, of course, I personally love to invent magic items. Uh, any any readers of my blog may remember that a year ago for Creatober, hashtag Creatober, I tried to do a custom magic item every day for the entire month of October. And I got maybe about halfway through the month before uh, I burnt out on it. Um, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, definitely recommend folks check out my blog uh, for the that list of uh, magic table items. Uh, actually, shout out to viewer Bucky, who instigated that by sending me tables to roll on that would randomly generate an item and a power. And that, was, that just was... A, 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 a springboard of creativity for me of just weird objects with common, you know, of foo, like, you know, it was item of power kind of format, but I ended up with stuff like the ladle of wizardry. I was like, what is that? I have to make up rules for the ladle of wizardry. Um, so I have a whole series of, of interesting magic items on my, on my blog as a result of rolling on those tables and being delighted. Uh, why do I bring all this up? Because the more of this you use, the weirder your roll results get, right? You start flooding your your game with all these interesting items. And if you're rolling randomly on the tables, like, you know, you're diluting the chances of getting, like, the actual, like, 
Like we need, we just need a plus one sword, right? We just need more scrolls to fill out our spell books. We just need, there's like some common magic items that I feel like if they don't come up, if the party isn't finding them um, pretty regularly by the time they're like levels five and six, then it's a problem. It's right. true. It's true. Especially, Obviously, for uh, classic uh, monsters like uh, gargoyles or lycanthropes or things like that, that you need a magic item to hit them. Of course, right. um, it right. starts, you start to become desperate about that. Yeah, I'll point out that really our, our, to our, the party, our, right? Our, yeah, totally. And I'll briefly point out our chat moderator uh, William put uh, a link to Paul's magic table in the live chat at the moment, so you can go over there. I personally really like that project. Um, and um, uh, for, for, for as long as it lasted, I thought that was a really cool project. So feel free to go over there and look at it, Paul's custom. It was a lot items. of fun. And you'll certainly see uh, things I talked about in, in, the last, um, in our last episode of my sort of design sensibilities of liking. Uh, I enjoy the kind of monkey's paw of magic items right. that are a little good <laughs> and a little bad. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. There is a, um, you know, so... In our uh, patrons chat last week, actually, after that show, uh, there were some add-on questions about exactly how likely was it to get a cursed item in various different editions. And I thought that was a good question. So at some point this week, I went and looked at all of the magic items in D&D &D mm -hmm. in every single edition. <laughs> Oh in God. order, in order to deter, right? Because it wasn't entirely clear which ones were cursed, so I wound up looking mm -hmm. at every mm -hmm. single magic item in every single edition of D anD D ever published in order to have a, in order to compose a comprehensive list of cursed mm -hmm. items and figure out exactly how likely they were in different editions. And a couple of things that were intriguing about like later editions was one, um, actually in fourth edition, where were the magic items listed in fourth edition, Paul? I have no idea. I do not own those right. books. Yeah. But but my yeah. gut says they belong in the Dungeon Master's Guide, right? That's where magic items go in the Dungeon Master's Guide, right? There you go. Thank you for setting me. Thank you for <laughs> yeah. thank you for setting yeah, me up on that. Yeah. I was flipping through the the 4th edition DMG looking for magic items and like, well, wait, where 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 are they? Uh, and there's they're considered, you know, 4th edition has very different uh, sensibilities about a lot of stuff and I believe that they were considered so critical to your character's build that every single magic item is listed in the player's handbook. Fascinating. Players right? Handbook. The entire weird. list is over there in the PHB in the wow. fourth edition. But wow. what, I, what I'm really trying to get to is um, your point about uh, 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 magic items that have some kind of good element plus some kind of bad element really being the interesting thing to drive a story. And there's a complete sidebar in the third edition uh, DMG Right, um, uh, written by the, the, the whole crew of uh, Jonathan Tweet and Skip Williams and those guys saying exactly what you just said, Paul, of really the most interesting thing is having a tough choice when mm -hmm. a player has to say, I really kind of want this benefit, but then I also, you know, like, oh, it's a, it's a plus five sword, but occasionally I hit one of my own uh, friends with it more often. Is that something I'm willing to yep. risk? Right, that's interesting now. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we've delighted in this since, like, the age-old artifact of the, the Hand of Vecna, right? Like, here's a really powerful magic item, and in order to use it, you have to chop off your own hand. Like, right. oh, right. that's a, just a delightful <laughs> dilemma to hands your players. Here you go. Good luck figuring no that one out, players. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, I got a question from yeah. Julian in the uh, in the chat there uh, about what, what sources I was looking at the magic items, and it was just the core books. It was just the core books. Clear. So. You know, Paul, question about that book that you lose, actually the um, the book of Marvelous Magic, you know, I'm, I that one confuses me a little bit because they've got uh, you know, Frank Mentor and Gary Gygax listed on the cover there as the creators. And I'm like, I'm suspicious. Of, I'm suspicious about whether they actually wrote that. Like, I feel like, uh, is there a preface from one of them or something like that? Because I feel like there uh, became there an, an introduction. There's an introduction. Yeah. There's no, I'm not seeing any signature on the introduction as to yeah. like who exactly wrote it. Um, uh, okay. So it's, so the, the, um, uh, uh, what's the term for this? The 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 dedication in the book mm -hmm, says mm -hmm. for Penny, and it's and it begins with uh, the text. Gary and I would like to thank Mark Akers, David Zeb Cook, Tracy okay. Hickman, Doug Niles. Okay, a long list of people. But the point being, uh, 
there's a little little tiny implication there okay. of Gary and I makes it sound like yep. it's probably written by Frank. Yeah. Okay. All right. Interesting. Okay. Right. Man, Frank did a lot of work at one point. Yeah. He did a lot of, yeah. a lot yeah. of work yeah. for D&D, yeah. right? I mean, the thing that struck me as most interesting historically about this book is the section in the beginning, frankly, that talks about how it is both for basic D&D and AD&D. It specifically calls out yeah. for use with Dungeons & Dragons and Advanced Dungeons & Dragons games. It is like the one truly crossover book that I'm aware of, uh, right. which I think is fascinating. Um, right. th the other thing is, right, this this book basically blows out the miscellaneous magic role, right? And it's got so much cool stuff in it. The thing that always that always hit me about this book is it's got so much great stuff in it, stuff that I absolutely want to put into my games. But then if I'm rolling randomly, it is buried, right? I got to, I got to, first, I got to end up on the miscellaneous magic chart, right? I got to have treasure yeah. that includes magic items and it has to include miscellaneous magic items. And then I have to roll yep. down. And yep, this yep. is, this is really, it's this breadth of content where I start leaning into, I, I don't want to roll anymore. I want to start choosing. Okay. Okay. That's that. Then I'm like, that's just, there's cool stuff and I want it in my game. And there's also weird stuff that maybe I don't want in my game. And this is the, the, the item I was picking on uh, in the last episode begins right here at the alternate world gate, which there are several variations of, and they open a gate into top secret gamma world, Dawn Patrol, really? Star Frontiers, really? Boot Hill, or Gangbusters. <laughs> and every one really? of them is like, yep, a gate opens, a character... The, the, the text of this is absolutely hilarious. It says... Um, I'm just going to read it to you because it's just so funny. Uh, a, a door appears next to the item, and a being steps through the door, grabs the item before the characters can react, even if it is apparently secured, stored, or held, and steps back through the doorway. If the characters react quickly, you may allow them to step through the door and arrive in the alternate world. Wow. Crazy. <laughs> wow, that's so specific. That's so, right? that's so incredibly specific. Weird. And that the primary, the primary power is to summon someone who just takes the item. Yeah, that's the right. That's, that's the that's primary. Our... Like, oh, but if you want to, you can also do this. Weird. Yeah. Super weird. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like it really feels like this. Like you're gonna try and tempt your players into this gate. How can I tempt the players into this gate better than just having a strange creature appear, steal the magic thing that they just got, yeah, and right? vanish yes. the gate? Of course, well, that's they're gonna point. go after him. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's interesting that that kind of snips off the analysis paralysis of should we go through the gate? You're right. Is it like half right. of half of my players would immediately be so enraged? That's exactly how they jump through. Fast. That's yeah, pretty yeah, brilliant. Yeah. That, I, I don't uh, think it, I got, okay, now I got to read that book. I have not read that book, but now you've, <laughs> that actually has caught me into having to read that book. It's such an odd, such an odd item. And, and if you wanted to do out the math to find the cursed items, good luck with this book, because yeah. oftentimes what happens is there's an item and then there's a little sub table, like, okay, oh, you rolled an earring roll yeah. on the one, two, three, four, yes. D, four card of which earrings. Yes. And one of them is, is cursed, right? Yeah. Oftentimes, yeah. one of them is, is a cursed version. Yeah. Uh, and now, I will also say for maybe for um, for viewers younger than Paul and myself, the, the list of gates that Paul just listed uh, were all the uh, TSR published role playing games as of the early 80s that were in publication. So, uh, Boot Hill, you know, and TSR being the original creator of D&D, in case I have to say that. But of course, Boot Hill was their Western yeah. game. Gangbusters was their uh, Roaring Twenties uh, bootlegging game, um, et cetera. Et cetera. Like Gamma World was their mutant, mutant future game, stuff like that. Yep. There's I, I left awesome. one of them off my list here, Dan, because there actually is one that summons a character from the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons game. So they, they, <laughs> they what? <laughs> So maybe, I, I assume it's for the inverse, where like you sucked your characters into gangbusters and we're playing gangbusters for a year, and now they find an item that summons a bard from AD&D who shows up. <laughs> I guess we're going from gangbusters to AD&D. I don't know. Why do they need the item? Why does the, why does, okay, now why does the NPC need the item that only gets you to the place where they are? That's like, that seems, that seems weird, right? It doesn't say, and it's very specific about how the, the person who shows up doesn't say anything. They just jump through, steal right. the item, and disappear. And there's like, right. and it's like very clear about like the players can do nothing about this. It definitely happens, even if the item's secured. Right. Like it just right. happens. 
Like, it's like the ultimate F you. Of like, nope, this is this is it. <laughs> so odd. Such an odd item. So anyway, my point being with that item, why, why I pick on that item besides just it's so bizarre, is like, unless you're prepared to go pull out your copy of Boot yes. Hill or Gangbusters yeah. or Gamma World, you're not going to put this in there. And probably if you do, if you are like excited about this idea, then of course you want the players to find it. You're like, oh, I got this great, we're going to do this great crossover game where all my players go into, you know, whatever, Gangbusters. It's going to be hilarious. Then you're just going to intentionally place this thing. Uh, yeah, that's what you think. I mean, they, you know, to play devil's advocate, as as some of us were discussing last last week, some you know maybe as a classic D and D DM, maybe you should just have a couple extra dungeons and campaign worlds and campaign <laughs> settings, just uh, you know, just prepared, just in case you get one of the magic items that sends you to a for another planet on a random table someday, right? Yeah. That seems that seems like a good use of time. Yeah, yeah. You better be prepared to run a campaign in any of the entire line of TSR game products. Yeah, please collect them all. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, so anyway, that's that's my argument for for why you want to intentionally place versus just randomly roll. What are your thoughts, Dan? Yeah, I okay, so I tend to, right? I tend to be a, a random roll purist. I tend to be the other side of that is I tend to I tend to want uh you know the game I kind of want my campaign to be procedural and I want the tables to be I assume I guess that the tables are a reflection of global distribution of stuff so whether it's mm -hmm. monsters or spells or magic items I assume that this represents <clears throat> a simulation of the global frequency of how much of this stuff is in the world so uh, not trusting my own uh, gut, frankly, on what's interesting or isn't. Um, mm. I kind of want, fearing that I might be biased about those decisions. Um, I prefer a procedural uh, randomized role to hopefully distribute that stuff over, you know, over a large space or over a long amount of time to get the right, the right uh, texture um, into my campaign world is my intention. Um, now, does that work perfectly well? Uh, I haven't, I haven't managed, I, I haven't gotten to a point where I can say it's perfectly successful for a couple reasons. One, I'm still biased. And like we were talking about, like in, um, last week and with our uh, dungeon design process that we did live about a month back or so, um, I tend to come up with stuff like scrolls and go that I'm personally bored by that. I'm going to reroll it. And then later on, I regret that because there wasn't, there isn't enough stuff uh, to, uh, there, there, there aren't enough resources for the low-level wizard characters to bulk up their spell book. And then I'm realizing that I'm kind of off the rails a little bit. I have a problem based on that. Um, secondly, like you were talking about, to get into the magic item tables, it's, it's um, gate-kept by a series of probability rules as you have to get, um, in the classic game, you have to get a monster, okay. Not all the monsters have treasures. You have to roll, first of all, you have to roll, does the monster have any treasure whatsoever based on the in-layer roll, actually. Mm -hmm. Then you go to the treasure tables, and particularly at uh, low levels, there's actually a really tiny, tiny frequency of magic items at all. And then you have to, uh, then, you, then, then, then I think there's a, what am I on level three or four at this point? Then you have to roll to see whether it's actually a map magic item versus just a map, right? I believe there's like a 25% chance that anything that could be magic is a map instead. You get past that, then you go to the magic yeah. tables, then you roll for what type it is. And I think there, there's only like a five or 10% chance you land on the interesting miscellaneous table that yeah. has all yeah. those things we were talking about this week and last week. And so the, the chance of getting there is uh, uh, really, really minuscule. And the interesting thing is, because I was looking at this at the start of last year, like the, the the major problem is like if for first level dungeons in original D anD D the chance of a magic item is only five percent. Okay, so mm. you think about that. How many treasures do you have in your the first level of your dungeon? Do you have twenty? Not all of us are going to have a dungeon that big, frankly. Twenty treasures. Then maybe the expectation is one magic item, right? Maybe you got yeah. one magic item in the entire first level of your dungeon, and it very well might be a potion of healing. Done. That's it. Right. And the interesting yep. thing is that's totally counter to what we see 
with the original designer's own original dungeon designs is that if you when we got an opportunity to look over Gary's shoulder at uh, a convention where he was running the first level of Greyhawk, half of the treasures had magic in them. Fifty yeah, percent yeah. had magic item, right? Sure. I, b- I bet even if you just took any uh, any old school or original yes. CSR module and like back did mm-hmm. the math of what is the percentages, you would come up mm-hmm. with a much higher percentage of of magic items than the tables suggest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So there's a yeah. there's a bit of a contradiction there between me using the tables and realizing that that's not actually how anybody actually built their dungeons. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I also I just wanted to bring up really quickly the point, um, you know, you talked about the scroll problem. Um, I also think that that uh, if you're playing uh, with OED rules, uh, as as some of us here are, um, and you don't have clerics, then you start running into the same problem with with healing potions, right? That like, you need to get healing potions into the hands of your players because they need them to survive. And are you going to random roll that? And and I feel like in both cases, with the healing potions or scrolls, that both you and I have kind of moved in this direction, which we're not totally comfortable with, but but kind of had to do, of moving those treasures out of the dungeon and into just, you can just buy them in town. Sure. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. To, to an extent that we actually had surprised ourselves, right? So there was a moment yeah. a couple of weeks back where Paul was like, "I no magic shops, no no purchasing magic, whatever." And I'm like, "What about all those scrolls? What about all those potions?" And and Paul yep. was like, yep. "Oh, I was I, like, I was like I, I, yep, yep, you're right. I totally sell those. Yep. <laughs> I think you so. I think you basically memory hold it on yourself." <laughs> But yeah, some of those basic things, uh, and you know, in later editions, uh, potions of healing, stuff like that, start to start to creep into the basic equipment list, um, and that's that's how I run my games actually. You know, and the funny thing is, I probably got my brain bent uh, years ago because there was a uh, fantasy series by um, it's the Guardians of the Flame fantasy series by Joel somebody or other. I don't have Joel it on my bookcase at the moment. I believe they perfect nailed it right, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. and that's also a custom there. Is that it's a part of, and it's of course it starts with a story of people from actually Earth. They're players of D anD D. They get sucked in the fantasy world, that kind of thing, and it starts with a um, expectation that you can buy supplies of healing anytime you want. And Must it worked really well a, there, a, so a, I got a magic to that. alternate world gate from. Uh... <laughs> Exactly. I think they did. I think they did, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I actually really love the original Thank three you books guys. of that series. I think that that series kind of goes yes. off the deep end, unfortunately. Uh, and I agree. It's not, not as good in the later books, but the first three are, are mm-hmm. delightful. I would, I would say Although exactly also, the same thing. Uh, have some, have some difficult content. Some difficult content in that. Uh, but anyway. That's, that's a good point. Here. That's a good point. Yep. Let's You're right. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> Anywho, um, fascinating. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so I'll so say the was, thing I that mean, I'm there working was, there on. Was a note. Sorry, sorry. There was a note. I, I just want to hit on this because I, I thought I saw this go by in the chat and now I'm trying to catch up. There's a lot of chat going by. That's awesome. Yeah. Love you guys. Uh, uh, I thought I saw something in the chat go by about intentionally placing the important magic items which uh, yeah. I agree with. That's cool, right? Great. Okay, so you have a couple yeah. magic items that you feel are important you want to get out into the world, just intentionally place them just like you do with monsters. Awesome. I would I would yeah. say maybe the inverse is true too. Maybe you want to go back and do a pass of resource magic items of like, I just need X percent of scrolls and magic healing potions to be available. Yeah. So I'm going to do another pass and go back and just be like, all right, I need to place six healing potions in this dungeon somewhere and just pile them into yeah. the treasures somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I think it was, uh, for what it's worth, I think it was our friend Ragnar in the chat that, that first brought that mm. point up uh, and is emphasizing it, and many of us agree with that. That's a good point. It was a point where I was uh, trying to be like, okay, magic has shown up in this treasure. It didn't technically say it was only one thing, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assert that if potions show up, there's going to be one to six of them at a time in order to fill that in, actually, one to six doses or something like that. Um, that's a good point, particularly with the scrolls. I mean, to begin with, I just personally, when I make my next dungeon, I just have to have more magic in it. I've got to fix that. I've got to fix that original table I'm looking at to just have generally more magic in it is the root of my initial problem. But it's a good point that, you know, the, the original rules say you should thoughtfully place the major treasures. 
and there is no guidance. There's no guidance for no. Yeah. how many or how often or how big. Um, and it's a really interesting gap that that has caused many of us to try to fill in that lacuna for years. And we're all going in different directions about it. Yep, totally agree. Uh, is that table one of the uh, visual aids you have here in the uh, in the? It is yes, yeah, it's it yes, it is actually. So the one that has the uh, the limited table, it's talking about coins in addition to other stuff. Um, I uh, prepped for that. This, there you this, go. This, yeah, great, great. Yeah, so that's go. the wow, original. Um, on level one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, ten percent right. by level four. Wow. Yep. Wow. Right. You're right. Even by levels level one, six, two, and fifteen percent. Correct. Correct. Levels yeah. one, two. So this is what I personally call the dungeon treasure table that is in original D&D volume three, uh, again, from the 1974 rules. And yeah, see that? So levels one, two, and three of your dungeon are supposed to have only 5% chance of magic per treasure. And like I say, I don't know, what do you have? You have 40 rooms in a level of a fairly big piece of graph paper, and half of them have, maybe half of them have monsters and treasure, maybe. And you might you might only have one magic item per level at that rate until you yeah. get to level four, yeah. and then you have two. And I would say the interesting thing here for me is I, I feel like that's right for non-consumable magic items. Like in the early levels, I want that right. first plus one sword to be amazing. Oh my yeah. gosh, we found a plus one sword. Fantastic. I want to hit that point in my campaign where they're around level three or four, where they first start to meet uh, a monster that requires magic to hit, and they go, oh, we mm -hmm. only have yep. one or maybe two items that can actually hit mm -hmm. this thing. 100% I'm there. But I need more scrolls and I need more potions. Like, yeah. I just I need more of that stuff. I need more consumable magic items in the early game. And just in general, I guess I feel like I need more consumable magic items throughout the game than that. Like, that would be really disappointing if, like, I have one magic item in the entire level and it's a potion. Uh, Agreed. That's, Agreed. that's not enough. Yeah. Agreed. And it's interesting because when we look, when we get an opportunity to look at uh, Gary's uh, first level of Greyhawk, you know, the interesting thing is he's got, like, one of each type, right? So the things, you know, the things that are attracting you to D&D &D that are fundamentally interesting, he's got one of each type. There is one magic sword. There's one magic potion. There's one magic scroll. There's one piece of armor, I believe, and there's one miscellaneous thing. Um, and so on that first level, he's totally got the overall scope of things you're going to run into for magic items. And every character class has something there to, to look forward to, frankly. Right. Why not do that? Of course. Uh, of course, that's an obvious design. So may, whoever wrote this table, maybe they were, you know, at that particular day, maybe they weren't really they were they were trying to make a nice list of numbers on that right column, maybe, right? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a, a nice it's a it's yeah, a nice linear sequence of five percent, but maybe yeah. they weren't really yeah. thinking about the um, the end the end result of that. Mm -hmm. What do you, let me? I want to I want to dig now, uh, Dan. Sorry, I took the table away just as you were talking about it. Put it back there. Okay. I think we can. I think we're good though. Um, I've memorized the table, uh, so it's perfectly fine excellent. if you remove it for my purposes, Paul. Right, so it's, it's okay. Great. 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 Um, I want to get into that. Like, what about the idea of crafting the magic items to the party? Like, let's talk about that a little bit. Like, let's how important are scrolls if you have one magic user or no magic users or all magic users in your party? See, I don't do that. See, I'm I am not gonna do that. And the other thing is, you know, may I, I want what what like let's say I've designed a dungeon. Am I gonna go back and redesign it because now I have a different player group? Like if the players change or I reuse this dungeon a year from now, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna redesign the dungeon. It's the the, the design is fixed. The world is the the world is a thing outside my player group. So for my you know, very old school perspective. It's the player's responsibility to interact successfully with this world, not the yeah. other way around. Well, it's, um, it's an interesting aspect of, uh, you know, something I think that's never crossed my mind in a couple of times because we have had games where we thought, oh, let's be clever and all be, right? There's a classic game of Rap and Ethic we mm -hmm. played where we said, we're all going to be magic users, right? Never during that conversation was there anyone who brought up, ah, but <laughs> the number of magic items <laughs> useful to a magic user is low and the that resource will be split even further will be even further diluted because we'll all be fighting over the magic rings and scrolls and no one will want the magic mm -hmm. swords and armor correct correct 
Um, two things I got to say. So number one is uh, Mr. Bull Rubine, who inspired this topic, actually just popped into the chat. So Bill, I'm so glad you got to you got to catch this today. Thank you again for the idea for the topic. Um, and also, I would like the viewers to think about when I sat down to DM rap and ethic and Paul and Paul and Max and company go, let's all make magic users. Let's all go into rap and ethic and go down the damn well with nothing but magic users and what the hell kind of game you think that's going to turn into. I'm like, all right. And they, they convince everybody else. They convince Christian and Isabel and everybody to go down, go in with all wizards. Great. Okay. Now to date today's story is massacre in rapid Epic. <laughs> I mean, most, most rapid Epic stories could be titled massacre in rapid Epic, but yes, yes. It was funny. It was a fun, uh, weird twist on the game, I think, right? Because we were also all leaning into, we did, I think we were trying to exploit your house rule at the time of if you played a human, you got a free hireling. So we all played human That's magic right. users who all yeah. had fighter yeah. hirelings. Right. Uh, which was which was amusing, but it turns out a bunch of level one fighters doesn't help that much. Mm -mm. No. Nope. <laughs> 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 you know, and I'm yeah. looking. I'm like, yeah, they are like two rooms away from that place that has two iron golems. This is this is possibly really <laughs> <laughs> precipitous situation. Wow, fascinating. So, um, but that's yeah. true. So, so if you do have, and, and also we went to, uh, uh, Gen Con once and we got into a tournament and we all made, um, well, I was prompting for all dwarven clerics. Uh, we got, uh, we did, we did go in with an all dwarven something party. Uh, yep. and it yep. is true if the, if the, if the players show up with a weird, um, with an unusual mix of characters, then yeah, then maybe the, uh, the magic item distribution isn't going to work for them super well. It's a good point. Yeah. Interesting. Not a thing I've ever thought of when, when discussing with my group of players as a player, what should we play? Yeah. Right? I mean, frankly, yeah. I've seen just I've just seen too many times, time and again, the evidence is the best party is a diverse party, right? Like, the, yeah. you really do yeah. want one of everything. Yeah. yeah, it's true. It's true. And of course, you and I, like a lot, like, you know, I come in and if there's a, like, what kind of character you're going to, you're going to build, of course, my old school sensibility is like you you tell me what the role in the party needs to get filled and i'm happy to do that i don't have a i generally de tend not to have a strong here's the character i'm gonna i want to play today opinion i i want to be surprised <laughs> so i actually kind of don't like i don't mind that all right we've gone a bit on a tangent here let's uh let's get have back we to now? Have placing, we now? placing magic <laughs> So let me talk about uh, let me talk about yeah. the 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 thing that that wound up I realized kind of I'm, I contradict myself is that I'm tr I try to stick to the you know if I go literally by the original rules right there's a there's a surprisingly small propensity for magic items if I am committing to the uh, the, the the probability tables except that if you go and you look at the uh, the the monsters men list. Bandits and brigands and pirates and buccaneers and nomads and everything else, right? They have a particular um, sequence for, well, I mean, some of the NPCs should have magic items. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And it's very mm -hmm. generous. Oh my God, it's very generous. It's like, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's five, it's like 5% per level in a multitude of categories per character. So if you run into, you know, a bandit, sergeant, or lieutenant or something like that, they're third or, or third or sixth level or something, um, you're supposed to roll their level times 5% for each of the categories of weapon and armor and potion and something else. Um, and so what winds up happening is the vast majority of the magic items in my traditional campaign are coming from the NPCs. Right. The NPCs have like magic coming out. You run into a bunch of bandits and they've got magic coming out their ears. There's, there's <laughs> going to be a basket of like 15, 20 items in the average uh, bandit uh, troop. And then, you know, one like we we're saying, one potion of healing on the first level of the dungeon and then one scroll on the second level of the dungeon. So the vast majority of it, uh, but, you know, by the rules as written is coming from the NPCs. And then your players wind up you know, being motivated to be murder hobos that are targeting all the NPCs in the world because that's where the good magic is. 
Yep, yep. I mean, it's 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 very reminiscent to me of the uh, problem of uh, enemy NPC wizards and and their spell books, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, are exactly. exactly. Right? There are right. no scrolls yep. all this time. Ooh, an enemy yep. NPC wizard, kill him and take his his spell book. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Yep. Now Ragnar is Ragnar is pinging me at the moment in the chat saying that committing to the probability tables is directly contradictory to the thoughtfully placed instructions, Dan. Thank you very much for that for that point, Ragnar. And yet I have had similar debates with other people that 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 are that uh, really deny that that thoughtfully placed instruction is relevant and claim that we should absolutely be using nothing but the probability tables and claiming that's exactly what Dave and Gary did initially. So. I, I'm not entirely sure that argument's ever going to get settled, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, some people I really, really highly respect don't think that the, the thoughtfully placed instructions is, is uh, actually meant to be taken literally, uh, uh, literally seriously. Hmm. Okay, I just got Where, to some real insider baseball about those debates, so I apologize for that. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> where, where is where does that text appear, Dan? Is that that's in the LBBs? It, uh, it, it is right. It's, it's so I, I didn't take a snippet out of it, but it's the page right before that table we were looking at before. Uh, it's mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. page. It's on page six, right? It's on page six. Mm -hmm. So uh, da, 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 um, the the determination of just where monsters should be placed, whether or not they will be guarding treasure, and how much of the better if they are guarding something can become burdensome. Um, it is a good idea to thoughtfully place several of the most important treasures with or without monster guardians, and then switch to a random determination for the balance of the level. Yeah, yeah, that's very um, interesting. And it and seems pretty just, clear I to love me. That, I love that turn of phrase, the most important treasures, because which treasures are most important? Mm -hmm. well, that's all you I get. Don't know. Yeah. That's all you yeah. get. Depends, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, that's what it says, but you're supposed to do that before you go to the random treasure tables. And uh, it's, you know, it kind of seems to make sense of like, I've got, I come to the piece of paper, I come to the graph paper, I've got some content ideas, I get them down, and then you run out. And, um, you know, I think that, that you and I, Paul, have found that the really great thing about tables, right, about these big, long tables in classic D&D is these fill in the rest of the ideas, fill, use them as idea generators, right, before the game starts. Uh, mm -hmm. to fill out the content in your big map uh, once you run out of ideas as a person. And why we've been a little bit irritated when we go to Moldvay and the table winds up saying, come up with something special here. <laughs> 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 right? I'm like, well, I, was, I wasn't using the table until I ran out of ideas for special stuff. Um, and, and, and simultaneously, like I, my opinion is using a table while the game is flowing is really bad because that's really slow. So I've tried to very conscientiously remove any table lookup while the game's actually running. Um, but for purposes of advanced preparation creation, it's, a, it's, it, like it's a great way to come up with ideas that wasn't going to pop into my head earlier. And I, think so, I feel like some people are hazy about that in traditional D&D is they think everything's all run by tables all the time. But I think there, there's a sharp, there should be a sharp, sharp separation between advanced prep versus in-game play. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, sorry, Dan, I'm distracted here by the chat where Ragnar points out like you missed, like it actually tells us right in that text, right in that paragraph, naturally, the more important treasures will consist of various magical items and large amounts of wealth in the form of gems and jewelry, naturally. Naturally, but various, various magic items, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I mean, yes, I snipped the quote off right before that. Thank you, Ragnar. Um, uh, but I mean, various. that's okay. Various magic yeah. items. Okay. Yeah. It didn't yeah. help. <laughs> that did not help Ragnar. <laughs> How does that help us select magic items? Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Um... <laughs> Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! I've I've lost I've lost the thread, Dan. What were we talking about? <laughs> we were talking about selecting magic items at one point like, before we went off on a, yeah. a yeah, series yeah, yeah, yeah. of uh, a series of uh, of tangents. Okay, so anyway, to, to complete my to complete my thought is yeah. is that at least yeah. for the NPC issue, I I've taken I've taken control of that, 
And like, uh, because some viewers will know that I have a, a simulation suite of software tools that uh, possibly creates all the NPCs in the world and tries to run them through careers in D&D in order to get a look at what the demographics of higher level characters look like in a classic D&D campaign. Uh, that is on my GitHub site. Uh, and some, some of our patrons have, have helped us out actually with um, uh, coding observations that have helped me. Um, and for the, so because I had to code it up, I had to make a decision about that. And so my decision, again, thinking about at what level are you going to have a plus one item in the party to possibly fight your gargoyle or your, or your werewolf or something like that, is um, what worked for me is like actually a one in six chance per level. So every level that my NPCs go up, and I tried a couple different things, I wound up saying roll a d6, and if a one comes up, you get a plus one to something. And it could be your armor, it could be your shield, it could be your sword, it could be your other weapon, something like that. Um, and so the expectation would be, again, in like maybe three different categories of item. So the expectation would be by sixth level, if you're a sixth level fighter, you should have a plus one sword and a plus one plate and a plus one shield. And I feel like that's about right. I feel like that's about right. Um, uh, so this, I did take I did take the, more control of that. Is this the code snippet you have here? This is, is the code, right? yeah. So I did oh, actually, yeah, okay, yeah, so welcome. Yeah. If you're new to Wandering Dams channel, you are seeing us actually post uh, Java code here uh, from, my, from my arena suite. Specifically, when an NPC goes up one level, what exactly am I checking to see if it gets boosted? And it, it checks to see what weapon they're currently holding. Okay, so first of all, it checks to see if they have a weapon in their hand. And if not, draw the best weapon into their hand. Okay, that's actually a thing that happens there. And then if they have armor, we check to see if that gets boosted. If they have a shield, uh, we check to see if that gets boosted. If they have a weapon in their hand, see if that gets boosted. If they do not have a shield, then I check to see if they have a magic ring um, mm. get, getting boosted. And um, if they are uh, some type of wizard character, then I check to see if they have a wand that gets boosted. Interesting. Interesting. And uh, when I say, and so it's interesting. So obviously for, you know, I want these things to be simple. Okay. Do I want yeah. a random <laughs> NPC to show up with a mirror of life trapping or, you know, something really, really <laughs> exotic or, you know, admittedly, none of my NPCs are going to have a, a, you know, a shield of transportation to Gamma World. That's not going to happen. <laughs> so, so, so for brevity, so yeah, for brevity, yeah. for the DM running it, right, the weapons are just plus one, plus two, plus three. Um, yeah. And then for the things like rings and wands, I realized that you could take the original tables and they were largely uh, ordered in increasing order of power. And so I sliced the tables up into three tiers each. And if you pick either mm -hmm. of the other um, images that I have there, Paul, you'll see how I sliced the tables up into tiers. Um, and oh, so I took sorry, a, I, this morning. I t could be either. Could be anything. Okay. okay. Yeah. One so piece. yeah. So I, this morning I took a couple um, uh, phone snaps of my original D and D volume two, and you see that I've massively marked up in the margins, like every page of my books at this point. And so here uh, is the original rings table, and if you look where I have little underlines there, like the first one, two, three, five, six, seven, eight items up to ring of fire resistance i'm calling tier one and then mm -hmm. the next six or seven items from uh like regeneration up to spell storing i'm calling tier two and then the many wishes i'm calling tier three so as my npcs possibly thieves possibly wizards get their ring boosted at higher levels there i pick an mm -hmm. item from the appropriate tier as it goes up so admittedly with my arena program, you're not going to have a first level wizard show up with a ring of many wishes. Yeah. Right. 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 And right. I do the same thing for the wands. The wands tables also split up into three tiers there. Uh, so granted that most, and this is a result of most of the items in my campaign are coming from NPCs. And I have this program that's trying to run demographics for an entire D and D campaign world. Um, I, admittedly, I actually didn't want first level wizards showing up with a staff of wizardry or a ring of many wishes. So I did actually take control of that and have them going up through these tiers as they get additional power in their magic items. 
Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. So there's a there's a comment in uh, from from our viewers here about like what about hirelings, um, and I will bring up both hirelings and uh, the other one that's that's that I run into a lot because I run a lot of convention games is what about pregen characters. Um, mm -hmm. So I, uh, anyone anyone who's played in my my convention games or has seen me write about them on my blog. Uh, knows that I have an OED character generator tool on my blog. You can you can go there and generate random characters, and it has a section. It actually has a checkbox of do you or don't you want them to have magic items. Uh, so here's here's my code snippet on, uh, on oh, magic how dare item you, generation. Sir. I'm code we're... today. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Here's my code. My code's Python, by the way, not Java. So uh, here we go. Um, and you'll notice uh, I have a couple of chunks in here. First, I have a section on you know, it's basically broken down by class. And I start with uh, how many magic items should they have based on their level. Uh, so similar, I think, to what you're coming up with of like probabilities of how many yeah. magic items they Great. should have. And then um, and then I say, well, I've already generated their basic equipment, armor, weapon, etc. So I deduct some things because if you're a fighter, probably you already ended up with magic armor in the armor selection part. Um, and then, and then we dive into like, okay, now we're ready to really generate some magic items. And you'll see, like, I just go to very specific tables because I try to, I try to logic out like, well, if you're a magic user and you've reached sixth level, you know, probably you went on these adventures and you probably, when magic items came up, you argued for like, I want the ring and I'm not so interested in the, you know, I don't know, uh, arrows. Magic uh, of slaying. Right. Or yeah, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Right. So I kind of tried to just logically push them in the direction of the tables that I thought would make sense. Um, and then what I don't have here is, um, uh, but but anyone who, who digs into the code, which is also on GitHub, um, I have tables, I have CSV files for the tables of magic items that are straight out of the, the ODD uh, Little Brown books. Um, I actually snipped out some of the weirder magic items. I just removed them from the okay. tables entirely yeah, yeah. because okay. I found like, Presenting a player with a pregen character who's carrying around a mirror of life trapping is weird, mm -hmm. right? Playing a fighter who's carrying around a horn of blasting, like the players immediately assume that it was intentional, right? That, oh, this is important to yes. this adventure, that I right. have a horn of yes. blasting, and gonna, I'm going to find Correct. a reason to use it. Correct. And I'm like, eh, it's just a weird thing that ended up in the mm -hmm. list because it just doesn't Correct. make sense for my pregens to have those. So I did even more customization there, just trimming out the stuff that I was like, this stuff's just too weird, which it sounds like very similar to what you're doing there with the tiers, right? I assume yes. the probability yes. of yes. tier three magic ring is is zero to zero or <laughs> very right. low to right. zero. Yes, yeah. correct. No. correct. Now, and it's, it's an interesting point here. I'm, I'm, so, I'm, I'm so glad that, um, I guess it was Ash who brought up the question about the hirelings. Um, and also pre and like related to pregens is um, like like so for my game uh, you know the 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 hirelings are all going to be first level they're not going to have magic the end they're just right, so right. they're supposed to be first level they don't have magic that's that's the story but for the pregens right I mean we 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 all need to deal with that issue and in addition to that's a, it's a great point you bring up Paul that if you have something really exotic uh, the players are going to assume that that was intentional. Um, people love you guys love to badmouth the plus one weapons. You love to badmouth the plus one sword as being boring and uninteresting. But there's a real advantage to having it be simple uh, for an NPC that shows up when a, you know when a DM has to run a random NPC or something like that, or for a pre-generated character uh, at the start of a limited tournament game. That if it is something like really exotic and weird, the player needs to learn about it. I mean, mm -hmm. you and me, and you know, you, everybody that's watching here probably knows what a horn of blasting is. But the truth, you know, the majority of players probably don't. And so I've thrown stuff, um, you know, ab abilities or spells or magic items into a pre-generated pre character. And then you have to spend, you overlook the fact that you need to spend five or ten minutes with that player informing them exactly what it does. So there's a real advantage to having very simple, you're going to have some magic items in your pregen, very simple things, plus one sword, plus one armor, plus two, something like that, that the player can immediately digest what that is and not have to spend a lot of time parsing these exotic abilities. Um, so that's what I tend to do with my, my pre-generated characters. They tend to have you know, one or two fairly simple things, and it's moderately rare that I give them anything, anything from the miscellaneous table.
I would say too, um, honestly, one of one of my favorite items to give out fairly early in the game, and I often this is often a, an intentional choice of mine, is to put a plus one dagger. Like that is the first thing, basically the first magic mm -hmm. item I want in the game is a plus one dagger. Because in the mm -hmm. early game, it's hilarious. You've got your fighter who's like, okay, we're up against uh, this monster that can only be hit by magic yeah. items. Give me yeah. the plus one dagger. Right? Yes. And suddenly a plus <laughs> one dagger is super cool. Um, but right. then in late game, when they started to accumulate more stuff, items start to get traded and passed down. And it's actually important for your wizard character to have a plus one dagger when like you want the whole party mm -hmm. to have magic weapons. Mm -hmm. That's the one they can use, right? Mm -hmm. And the wizard isn't really prioritizing pick set magic weapons, but probably ultimately at some point is going to run out of spells and be like, "Crap, I need a I need a plus one dagger." Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I got I got to say one um, of the things that I really adored about my my last uh, D and D campaign players team, and this was largely due to our our good friend Lauren prompting everybody to do this, is they got to the point, and and I was. I was going by those tables. It was the it was the it was the stingiest magic campaign you have ever seen. Uh, yeah. Nobody nobody had a magic weapon, and they got to the point where they started to have to fight whole bands of werewolves, and they'd run into them in the wilderness. They'd run them in the dungeon, like whole packs of werewolves, right? Um, mm -hmm. Or uh, whites, right? Or the undead, like whites or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. no magic yeah. weapons there. But remember, those initial types they can get they can get attacked by silver weapons. So yep. um, at the prompting of one of the players, after a first really, really bad <laughs> encounter, when they discovered, you know, when people who are new to D&D &D discovered that that was an issue, uh, everybody got equipped with silver daggers, right? So everybody got yep. equipped by silver daggers. And the funny thing is they got to a point whereby they could, they could, they would switch modes at the drop of a hat. Is they'd go, ah, they'd, they'd fight something and they'd go, Oh, it's a werewolf. And on the next round, everybody all dropped their weapons and grabbed out silver daggers, right? And they, everybody, including the wizards, would jump it in mass. Mm -hmm. And personally, I thought it was really, really funny to see the party have this tactic of in mass, just mob anything that they couldn't initially hit all with silver daggers. <laughs> yep. Yep. I've, I've seen, I've seen, humorously, I've seen the inverse when the party came across uh, rust monsters, where it's Everyone take oh. off your armor and get out your quarter staves. <laughs> just, just hilarious. Um, we're almost out of time here, and I feel like there are two what? two things we didn't touch on here. Almost out of time. I just want to I want to quickly note uh, was uh, I've already lost sense, uh, lost track of who mentioned this in the in the chat, but it was brought up that like uh, what about the assumption of unique magic items? Like assuming that the the the, the staff of power is the staff of power. There is one in the world. You know, artifacts in general is an interesting aspect of this, of what do you do with those. Like, certainly, artifacts for me in my game are only intentionally placed. They're never a random roll. I don't know if you deal with artifacts at all, Dan. Well, if I'm playing first edition, Paul, no uh, there is there is a 3% chance of, uh, you get a magic item, there's a 3% chance that you land on miscellane miscellaneous magic table, table one of seven, and then mm -hmm. on table one, there is a 1% chance of it being a random artifact or relic. And then you go to the yeah. artifact or relics table and you randomly roll it. So yes, if I'm rolling, if I'm rolling first edition by the book, Paul, yeah. all the artifacts only show up randomly. Oh my goodness. That's rough. That's rough. Okay. Uh, I want to skim past that because I want to mention one other case, one other case for, for intentional placement, which came up in a game that I ran, which was... Um, player motivated. Essentially, I had a player who wanted a specific type of magic item and then went to a sage and was like, tell me where I can find this kind of magic item and paid a bunch of money. And I was like, great. Uh, okay. And specifically, what he wanted was something that granted infravision. He was playing a halfling thief and he was like, I, I feel like I'm at a terrible disadvantage not having dark vision. So I invented, I don't, maybe it exists in some table somewhere, but I invented a hat of infravision. And I intentionally then placed that in a dungeon and had the sage come back to him and say, ah, yes, I hear of such a thing. There is a tale that it was in amongst this treasure of this ancient civilization. You could go here. And I used it as a lead to an existing adventure that I wanted to have in my world anyway. And then there was just the extra carrot of, oh, and yeah, by the way, the magic item that you specifically asked for is probably there. 
that we should do that. I mean, you, you should do that. Obviously, we are saying yes and uh, yeah. to our to our players' interests, and we should do that. And and of course, I, I joke a little bit about being uh, quite as procedural as I as I represent sometimes. So the the correction from yeah. you and Ragnar to thoughtfully place things like that, of course, the the best time to do that is when you're saying yes and to one of your players. So that's uh, that's top level DMing, obviously. Excellent. Excellent. All right, we are we are really close to out of time here, Dan. Any final thoughts on on intentionally placing magic items? I'm still working on it in my games. I you know for me, problem number one is I just I need more magic in my games. Actually, um, mm. uh, I should be uh, thoughtfully placing stuff. I think I need to. Frankly, I think those those initial tables need to be modified to better represent what our expectations have always been. Frankly, um, so number one, I need more magic in my games. Um, and then if you're thoughtfully placing the most important ones, whatever that means to you, and then, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, randomly placing a bunch of other stuff for surprises, right? You, that, that's really where the best, that's really where the best, um, uh, happy medium is, is when you have a combination of like, I've got my design con, uh, uh, ideas plus surprises, um, is I think really where the best, the best gaming occurs myself. Okay. Okay. For me, um, I'm a big proponent of thoughtful placement. Um, I, I love rolling on tables. Don't get me wrong. I, it's not like I don't roll on tables, but I always look at that as like the initial spark of inspiration, right? I'm happy to roll on tables to give myself a, a spark of inspiration, but I'm also very happy to say, eh, I didn't like that result and re-roll and also then do subsequent passes later on where I then look at the dungeon at the end and go, am I happy? Is this a good distribution? Mm -hmm. mm, I feel like the magic's too low. Let me add some more. Or I feel like I need these items or these whatever and, and add some more. So, um, yeah, yeah. That's, that's my thought. Um, viewers, if you have thoughts on when to, when, when to roll them and when to intentionally place, uh, <laughs> please, uh, give us, give us some, give us some comments here on the video below. Uh, tell us about cases where it did work or it didn't work. Uh, edge cases that we've missed, um, bug reports on our code. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the first time we've really dug into code on this show, so that's exciting. I uh, think you're right. <laughs> uh, yeah, please uh, leave some comments for us below. We'd love to hear from you. Maybe that'll inspire uh, future episodes, just as this episode was inspired by feedback from our viewers. Yeah, definitely. We'll look forward to that. And of course, uh, if you are new to the show, remember that you can like and follow and subscribe to us, The Wandering DMs. We are on YouTube and Twitch and Twitter and Facebook and yes, GitHub. And we do have the handle Wandering DMs on all of those sites. And if you go to GitHub, you'll also see links to the uh, the other accounts that uh, Paul and myself have as well for our various projects. And if you are a coder, you'll see what we've been up to lately. Uh, if you prefer to listen to our show in audio-only podcast format, you can do so uh, by downloading the podcast from our website at wanderingdms.com uh, or look for us on one of many podcast carriers out there, such as Google Podcast or Spotify or iTunes. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast on one of those sites, please take a moment to rate and review us there. That helps other users of that site find us, and we really appreciate it. We really do. Uh, huge thanks to our patrons, of course, who support the Wandering DMs show. And if you'd like to join them, please visit patreon.com slash wandering DMs. And you'll see a couple different tiers that we have. Very similar to the magic item tables, actually. Um, and uh, those tiers provide discounts on merch, access to our private Discord server, monthly behind the scenes videos, polls, and surveys that we try to do. And also after party chat, we do every Sunday. And we'll be there in about 10 minutes on our Discord server to continue the chat there. Uh, look for upcoming shows uh, this week. Paul, are you uh, are you on tomorrow, Monday? Or you're taking a week off for Thanksgiving for Ten Dead Rats. Uh, I believe we're on. I believe we're on. Okay. Um, okay. But look for look for updates that for that on our social media or on the uh, on the Discord channel. Okay. So we'll look for that uh, Monday night uh, Ten Dead Rats uh, um, uh, show uh, when that's coming next. And uh, we uh, I did a I did a. a movie review uh released on the channel uh, i think on friday actually so um uh thanks everybody for uh who, who checked that out and, and gave some feedback appreciate that 
It might have been a big mistake on my part, but there it is. Um, and we're also looking to schedule a uh, upcoming breakfast briefing with Isabel after her intense uh, weekend of uh, shooting a movie and other stuff this weekend. Uh, but awesome. don't forget, Wander DMs are live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So please join us again next week for another thought-provoking discussion. We'll see you then. <laughs> <laughs>